0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. What a blessing to be together for the solemn service on All Saints Sunday. And and it's a joy and a blessing to be celebrating on the high altar in this setting. But it is a distinct preaching challenge to have... Uh, folk a good 50 yards that way, and the altar party a good 30 yards that way, and I expect you all to be paying full attention, but you're so far back, I'm going to give you permission to watch the broadcast on our website, please use earphones so as not to disrupt the sound, but no Netflix, (laughs) no Netflix. George Moore was a young Presbyterian minister whose first call in the 1970s was in the mountains of North Carolina. One day, while walking through the thickets of a hill near that first church, George had a vision. There, in in the midst of one of the most beautiful and poorest places in North Carolina, if not the whole country, George had a vision for a yet more glorious day, a place that this mountaintop could become. George had a vision of children singing right there atop that hill. That vision grew to become, in George's mind, a place where children could, of course, come together and have fun and just be kids, but also where youth from other parts of the state and the country who lived in cities and suburbs could come and experience life atop the mountain, where they could get, feel, get the feel of dirt in their hands, where they could go out and, serve, and be, serve with and be with some of the poorest people to go into the homes to get to know folks from an entirely different walk of life. And this vision was rooted deeply in George's relationship with Jesus. You see, and I met George many years later, George's way of preaching and talking gave you the impression that he wasn't simply teaching you what you needed to know about the life of faith. He wasn't simply teaching you what you needed to know about God. For George, Jesus was an immediate presence in his life. And when God gave him a vision, if God gave him a vision, he was willing to follow it. And that meant stumbling time and time again into whatever that vision might become. George began to think through this idea. I, whoop, I got you. Are you watching? Okay. George began to have been watching too much baseball. George began um, to think through this idea of a camp. A camp where where children could meet God in nature and in service to one another and, and in relationship and just through having good fun together. But not, and here's a direct church quote, not one of those slick church camps. Anybody who's ever grown up around one of those places that really clearly had a message and an agenda, I think that's what he meant. But you see, George had a little problem and that was that somebody else already owned the mountain and George was just a poor minister and so he went to the owner and he sat down to tell him the story and the man Ernest Goldsmith he sat there and he listened as George said told the whole story the vision the children singing and then he says Ernest God has laid it on my heart to put down $3,000. I want you to sell me that mountain. Yeah, I heard a snort. Right, exactly. That Mountains today don't go for $3,000, but they didn't then either. And between you and me, George didn't have that much money anyway. So Ernest hears the offer, and he breathes heavily. And he goes, oh, preacher, that ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. To which George said, and this is another direct George quote, Well, that's fine, Ernest, if you don't want to sell it to me, because then I don't have to do anything about it. But Ernest was a man of faith. And he was open to vision, and and, and, and and together they came to an arrangement. And George eventually found the money, and this place called Glory Ridge was built. Now, my suburban Episcopal church found its way to Glory Ridge and to George Moore decades later, and for us, it was after a, a few high-drama youth beach trips. Uh, anybody who's been in that world knows there is no drama like high-drama youth beach trips uh, that had gone uh, been total fiascos, and the leaders said, all right, enough of this. Let's do something real and something meaningful. And somehow they meet this, this quirky but faithful guy named George Moore who talked about vision and who talked about Jesus, which, uh, which was not in our comfort zone as a suburban Episcopal church. And yet they said, having been through the thing, they said, all right, but let's give this a go. But something very special happened in, in that moment. Boy, that was the Holy Spirit at work. And, and what, what be, that became an annual pilgrimage for, for dozens and dozens of young people. It started with, with four teenagers, and I, I joined along a couple years later when it had become six. But then before too long, it was 30 and 35 and 40 every, every summer. And it, for me, it was where I learned to see Jesus in service, in community, in, in song, around that sharing circle at the end of a work day. It was where my younger sister, Catherine, found a love of building and engineering and using those hands-on skills to really make life better for people. And we would go back every summer. In our 20s, we went back as adult advisors. We even took turns serving as the camp directors for this place. We, we learn to cherish our good luck if we happen to be there at a time when George Moore, this is decades later, he's now serving a church out in Minnesota. He's a little bit older now. When George would be back at the camp because he was just, you know, the visionary who would sit in a camp chair and the campfire would be going and, oh, George, tell us a story. And George, oh, well, since you asked, uh... And of course we would sit there as he held court. We loved to hear him preach. We loved to hear him tell this talk about those early days, all the vision and the the little miracles that made it happen. We loved to hear him talk about Jesus. And we could tell that he loved watching us, the younger generation, begin to catch hold of that vision and that story and make it our own. And I I mentioned my sister a moment ago, George loved him some Catherine Owens. He he said, I have never seen someone work as hard as that red-headed girl. That is very much Catherine. I I think of George Moore today, on All Saints Day, not simply because he accomplished something wonderful which he did. Not just because he created something that touched so many people, and he did. He's a saint because everything he did, perfectly and imperfectly, was done with his relationship with Jesus as a primary source. And he's a saint to me because I knew him. I didn't just read about his faith in a book. I didn't just hear about him in a sermon. I I met him. I hugged him. I heard him laugh. I saw him fret over a broken tooth. I listened as he retold for the thousandth time the story of the vision that led to this place that led to so many lives being changed, including my own. And it was because George loved Jesus so much and lived it and told it that the rest of us could meet Jesus, could meet Jesus in a way that we hadn't before. So I think of saints, from from Bonhoeffer to Julian of Norwich, to Howard Thurman to George Moore, as those for whom their relationship with Christ is so immediate and so central to their being. That it pours out into the world and flows through everything they do. Everything they do. Paul celebrates the saints as the first. The first to set their hopes on Christ. As those who in the earliest years of the church were God's early adopters the saints who have come along since and those who have yet to come along are faithful faithful folk who have the audacity to live their lives in the same proximity to Christ, who are by no means the first to set their hopes on Christ, except that any time we set our hopes on the promise of the resurrection, it has a certain first-time quality to it. Whether through hope or heartache, we are forever breaking ground on the life of the Spirit. The saints fill us with hope. But when they knew us, these are saints who knew us and loved us, and we knew them and we love them, but we see them no longer. How can that hope not be at least a little bit bittersweet. Saints have a distinct knack for living in both the eternal and the present at the same time, for softening and blurring those harsh barriers between life and death. Yet there comes a moment between now and the resurrection when we do lose them. When their light goes out and we are left with memories and oftentimes great sadness. As George Moore aged and grew ill and approached death, those of us who loved him were saddened because we wouldn't we wouldn't hear him laugh anymore. We wouldn't see him bask and sit back holding court in the camp chair. We wouldn't gather around him in that, that kitchen at a late camp night. We wouldn't hear him tell the story anymore. We still had the place, we still had the vision, but we wouldn't have him. Losing him a few years ago was just hard, even though we knew it was coming. And losing my sister, suddenly, This year, last November, the redhead who George loved so much that broke my heart worse than I knew it could be broken. But lo, there breaks a yet more glorious day. This year, I have thought much of Catherine and George together. Two people with very different approaches to the church thing. But two beloved children of God. Two saints who loved each other and who knew how to make others aware of their own belovedness. In this year of grief, I have been with them. At times on that holy mountain. In that place of vision and memory where God spoke to George years ago and created something sacred that changed so many of our lives. That doesn't take the sadness away. But it does tell me that God is still here. And that the story of these saints who mean so much to me is still only partially told. But lo, there breaks a yet more glorious day. The saints triumphant rise in bright array. The saints rise. That isn't meant to wish our sadness away because life is still life. But remember, the saints are saints because they cast their hope on the promise of resurrection. Hope is real and love is real and our tears and our heartache are echo with the truth of that promise that life in God is more than anything we can see or imagine and that love is forever stronger than death. And the saints are saints because for some reason they had that figured out. Just as they were the first to set their hopes on Christ, they are the first to rise the first to dwell in the fullness of God, the first to intercede on our behalf and to carry us and to heal us and to guide our souls back to the one who loves us and created us. But lo, there breaks a yet more glorious day the saints Triumphant, rise in bright array. The King of Glory passes on his way. Alleluia. Alleluia.